It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Wednesday, July 6th, as the Cubs take two of three from the Milwaukee Brewers. So we will look back at the series that was Another series, Brendan, that includes a lot on the field and plenty off the field to update on, but the key takeaway is that the Cubs have won four series in a row, five of their last six. Uh, Brendan, dare I say it, they're, they're on a run. They're, they're on a run, Corey, and they're doing this against Josh Hader. Some clutch, timely hits there in those games, and let's keep it going. Let's, let's do, like, how about five more series? Five more consecutive series wins. Get back in the playoff hunt, right, Corey? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think Jed Hoyer is prepared to put a, a damper on any type of plans unfortunately, like that. Unfortunately. Uh, but it is nice to discuss series wins, right? There was a period uh, not too long ago where all we were asking from this team was not to be brutally embarrassed yeah on a daily basis and you know winning a series over the Red Sox winning a series on the road against the Brewers it's 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 a nicer brand of baseball for us for Luke Cody Ryan Jared everybody to be able to talk and write about and it seems like a cleaner brand of baseball too right like the pitching the bulk of the pitching was cleaner Kyle's injury does suck but Samson had a nice outing. Steel continues to look good. The bullpen comes in, does most of its job. Yeah, overall, it was a nice series. Had some really exciting moments in this one. Uh, We do have a a couple of injury updates to give you. Uh, The first, as Brendan alluded to before we jump into kind of looking back at this series with the Brewers, uh, Kyle Hendricks does hit the injured list with the sore shoulder that uh, he's dealt with already once this year. Um, and caused him to leave the game early in this Brewers series. Uh, so that's bad, Brendan. Not good. Not yeah. good. Anderson Espinoza is recalled. We saw him earlier this year. Uh, he had that really nice effort coming on, you know, in a spot that he certainly probably wasn't anticipating and did a, a nice job for the Cubs. Um, but yeah, this is not great, really, no matter what your 
intention is with Kyle Hendricks as an organization. Obviously, he's come up a lot in potential trade rumors. Um, and even, you know, you and our guy Ryan Herrera over at allchgo.com put together that piece about Kyle Hendricks and, you know, maybe working on a slider and the stuff that he's working on with Tommy Hadovy and Daniel Moscos. So even if you're in the organization thinking we're not trading Kyle Hendricks, we've still got him under control and we're going to tinker and, and make some progress here. This is him having a bum shoulder helps nobody. Uh, us, Kyle, the front office, potential teams that want him, nobody. So this is yeah. not good. And, you know, now something that has lingered a little bit uh, from the last time he dealt with this. It's just not not what you want to hear, Brendan. No, and it's discouraging because he felt as if his arm troubles that plagued him about four weeks ago were behind him. He mentioned his volume was down. So he said, to paraphrase, that this arm injury came out of nowhere. And he knew there was a problem during his bullpen session. And he talked to David Ross about it, tried to give some innings, but it wasn't there. It, it, it sucks. Hopefully that this is more or less a, a fatigue type related problem and you can come back after the all-star break well refreshed and have a good second half uh so the other injury update uh someone that is too not, many injuries Corey. yes uh not on the injured list uh but wilson Contreras. Does leave uh, in this series. We do not see him in the final two games of this series, and we have heard that he did receive treatment uh, with some hamstring tightness. So this is obviously not the first time we have uh, dealt with Wilson and hamstring tightness or issues, Um, but this is something that, you know, again, like it, it complicates things, right? It complicates things a lot. Uh, the plan had been going really well with him DHing a lot, and we've seen the Cubs utilize that a lot. But uh, this, you know, with a guy who is uh, catching, has a lot of innings on his legs, and obviously plays every minute that he's on the field at 150 miles an hour, you know, sometimes uh, you're going to get banged up a little bit. So it sounds like the last time where he's uh, very in tune with his body because he's dealt with his injury before, yeah. is honest about needing to come out and, and get off his legs and, and get treatment and stuff like that. So hopefully it is not a long-term thing that he deals with. Uh, but again, if you're the front office, uh, this certainly complicates things. You and I have made our opinion known that we would like him to stay with this team and be extended and and be a member of this team going forward. The front office is going to have their own opinion on that. Uh, And this complicates it from both directions, Brendan, because if you were looking to trade him, you obviously have to monitor this situation and hope it doesn't linger. If you were looking to extend him, you now maybe have to factor this in, right? Uh, in terms of how you would play him going forward, how much you would be confident in him catching, you know, because this this is the exact reason that 
the whole DH thing and getting a quality backup was important in the first place is to prevent this type of thing. And hopefully this is just day to day and not some longer term thing. Uh, but that's why that consideration was there in the first place, because you've seen him miss time and kind of wear down at the end of seasons with this type of injury before. Right. That's the discouraging part. I mean, we just talked about this last episode where it seemed as if he was getting the necessary volume reduction to sustain his health. And he still is. And this could be just a lingering problem that kind of flares up here and there, kind of what we've seen with Rizzo in years past. And it calms down. He caught it early, comes back relatively soon, avoids that IL stint and continues his performance. He did Uh, catch a similar issue with the hamstring not that long ago this season and he was able to reduce the severity of that flare-up it just sucks because you mentioned it from both angles you got the trade perspective and you got the extension uh, perspective as well now given where he is it seems like like we'll see how he comes back from this right but the all-star break is right around the corner He is dealing with this hamstring problem. There might be teams who don't intend to use Wilson in that volume reduction role where they want him to catch consistently for that team if he does get traded. So my thinking is, is there going to be enough time for him to prove to other teams that he can do that? Like if he comes back, Corey, from this all-star break and some elongated rest and the Cubs continue to use him out of that DH spot and use Jan Gomes and PJ Higgins. Is that going to signal to teams, I can't trust Wilson, therefore I'm not going to give up that much value in a trade? That's kind of like a fine line. Maybe when he comes back, the Cubs may have like not no choice. That's a little bit dramatic, but they may have more incentive to use him in that catching role and expose him to a higher risk for injury. Again, that's another feature too that's not might affect their the Cubs' ability to evaluate and determine whether or not to seriously consider whatever his asking price is this this offseason in trade in uh in extension negotiations. This is a really complicated and fortunate timing um from Wilson here. Yeah, well and you know you mentioned part of it too, but I also certainly hope it does not affect his ability to play in said all-star game. Uh we just talked about that too. Yeah. How important that is to him, the potential of sharing the field as teammates with his brother uh, from the Atlanta Braves. And, you know, the timing of this would be a real bummer. Uh, You know, he'd still be able to go, but it's very important to him that he be able to play. And I very much hope that he's able to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's complicated. Again, like, you know, we've been having these conversations for, it feels like years now, I think it is years, uh, where, you know, you always have to remember, like, we're trying to look at things from the perspective of the reality of what the front office is doing. Um, as I said, like, I don't think either of us, uh, I don't think anybody that's with CHGO Cubs actually is interested in trading Wilson, but this issue potentially does have ramifications to the reality of the situation. Whether we're on board with it or not, we're just trying to look at it through the lens of what may or may not happen and what the front office might do uh, to just sort of prepare for that and analyze that. And hopefully this isn't a, a big deal, but it it is definitely one to keep an eye on uh, for both 
your desire to trade him if that's what you want to do and to extend him if if you're in the company of I think pretty much most Cubs fans <laughs> right. and that's what you want them to do anytime a guy has injuries especially at that type of position it's going to kind of change the calculus a little bit um, even if it's not a serious injury you know it's just something you have to consider in the back of your mind so uh, yeah, that is the the state of that. Not a not a great set of updates to start this one, but no. let's uh, let's get into this series as it was uh, and talk about some more exciting stuff, uh, some good stuff going on with this team. On Monday, the fourth of July, it was a five to two loss for the Cubs. This is a disappointing one. It did include some fireworks. Uh, a really good start from Justin Steele. The walk total a little high, uh, but six and two thirds, two hits, one earned run, four walks, as I mentioned, uh, but nine strikeouts in this one, Brendan. And David Ross does give Steele a chance to kind of push this one. He goes 108 pitches, six and two thirds, so just not able to get through that seventh inning. But as we've talked about with some of these other guys, I like letting him go through it, right? The the win and the loss is not what's important here. And giving Steele that opportunity and, and letting him try to go for it, I think, is the better play at this point. I also have a fun stat for you uh, from a friend of okay. the podcast, Michael Cerami at Bleacher Nation. Justin Steele ranks first in Major League Baseball with a 2.7 barrel rate among all pitchers with at least 70 innings pitched. That's first. A, a pretty astounding statistic, Brendan. Yeah, I mean, very astounding. And it's gotten better and better over the last six weeks here, Corey. So that's incredible. Even when I saw that tweet by Michael, I kind of had to like refresh to make sure I'm reading that correctly. That is beyond impressive, Corey. Yeah, so he is limiting guys barreling up the baseball, which uh, is, you know, I think pretty intuitive good, for most of us. Thing. That is a good yeah, thing. Yes, guys so, are yeah. not squaring up the ball right. against that's what him. Wanted to do. He struck out nine guys. Uh, you know, we've kind of talked about it before. The walk total is a little high, but I think you would take the walks for those misses coming over the plate, which would probably lead to that barrel rate being a little higher. Right. So there may be a, a better middle ground there than walking four guys. But again, you would take that over those mistakes being over the middle of the plate and getting hit out of the ballpark, perhaps. Uh, the Cubs got their runs on Monday via Nelson Velasquez's first major league home run. So congratulations to Nelson on that one. That was a rocket. And then Seiya Suzuki coming back and immediately hitting an inside the park home run off of Josh Hader. No big deal. The Cubs would lose this one uh, on a Victor Caratini walk-off home run. So old friend Victor is not. Um... That was the story on Monday. We'll talk more about Seiya when we finish this quick recap. 8-3 to three was the final on Tuesday. That was the Hendricks start. He only goes three innings, allows two hits, two runs, two walks, strikes out four, 69 pitches in those three innings. Matt Swarmer comes on in relief, allows just one hit over two innings. He does walk three, but doesn't give up any runs. Nice two-inning outing for Rowan Wick in this one. No hits, no runs, no walks. Um, and the Cubs got their runs, their eight runs in this one on a Nelson Velasquez ground out, an Ian Half double, Seiya Suzuki's sixth home run of the year. On this one, he was tired of sprinting around the bases, so he just hit it out of the ballpark, you know, standard yeah, understandable. style. Yeah. It's Rafael Ortega with a two RBI triple. Uh, the Cubs did the Little League 
first and third play, uh, which they have done with success before. Ian Happ goes to second. Rafael Ortega steals home from third base. Really nice execution there. And then Saya had an RBI single in the uh, top of the sixth. That was their eighth run. That would be all that she wrote. And then on Wednesday in the finale, Adrian Sampson with another really nice start. We'll talk yeah. about him too. Five and two thirds, four hits, one earned run, no walks, and five strikeouts. His ERA on the season now 2.91. So very nice. Uh, and then scoreless outings from everyone in the bullpen that followed. Brandon Hughes, Chris Martin, Michael Givens, who picks up the win in this one, and David Robertson picks up his 12th save of the year. The Cubs' two runs in this game coming on a Rafael Ortega single that tied things up in the top of the eighth, and then a P.J. Higgins double in the top of the ninth to bring home Patrick Wisdom, and that was off of Josh Hader. So well done to you by PJ Higgins. Uh, So Brendan, that is all that she wrote. Uh, Again, just a, a really nice series here for the Cubs. And I think, you know, something that we've talked about before, you're, you still have so many injuries on this team, but I think the stretch that this team is on is maybe more indicative of what we expected coming into this season, where not that they were going to win you know, every series that they play, but <laughs> that they would be a much more competitive team and yeah. be able to win series they they're not they you know we they they're they don't look great even in this stretch they're not going to be great in this season but there was that period where they were just awful for uh you know a few weeks mm-hmm. to a month uh and that didn't really feel like the true version of this team the true version of this team is not great but more competitive and i think that's what we're seeing over the last couple weeks yeah we saw earlier on when we were discussing the offense about their contact rate and their ability to limit the strikeouts and put the ball more in play and potentially having a cleaner style of baseball that I was uh, alluding to earlier, that came back in this series. The offense wasn't blowing pitchers away and in the past few series that also has not been the case but the Cubs were losing really close games and one run games for the majority of the season so to see them come in and kind of steal a few of these away it's just it's nice to see uh to do it off Josh Hader it's it's nice to see and to have the young guys do it Nelson Velasquez Christopher Morel Seiya Suzuki especially off the injury Overall, you do feel good about it. And then seeing Adrian Sampson come in and eat innings and do so in, in an efficient way, it, it does just make you feel a little bit more optimistic. And this going forward is hopefully what you see from this team. You see guys contributing from areas within the farm system that you otherwise may not have expected. To have Nelson Velasquez play center field, to have Christopher Morrell play center field in the same series and both succeed is a big deal, Corey. Yeah, and so the Cubs now actually have a winning record over the Milwaukee Brewers so far in this season. Uh, They hand Corbin Burns a no decision in the game on Wednesday. Despite Burns being really good, they hung in, you know, they hung in the game. The pitching kept them in the game, and eventually they get to a, you know, typically very good Milwaukee uh, bullpen to win that game. And, you know, like not to go down that path, Brendan, but it it is one of those things where you kind of look back at the offseason, and obviously there's been a lot of injuries, especially in the starting staff as we're sitting here talking about this now, uh, Wade Miley, Kyle Hendricks, Marcus Stroman, 
Drew Smiley, all unavailable, uh, dealing yeah. with different injuries, different stages of coming back. Edward Alzali has still not gotten back out there. Uh, so plenty of injuries, but you do kind of like look at the state of this division, uh, and it's it's difficult not to continue to be a little annoyed uh, that more effort was not put into this season. Because like you look at this Milwaukee team, and they just don't strike you as right. a world beater, and you just get the sense you you could not have predicted the health. If you knew this rotation was going to be as banged up as it was, it probably wouldn't have mattered anyway. But back in time, like this just is not a very good division. Um, I don't think this Milwaukee team is great. And, you know, there's a lot of pretty good stuff happening with this Cubs team that if they had maybe invested a little bit more, this season might have been a little more interesting. Yeah, you can't predict health, but for Drew Smiley, you can't all you cannot also predict with high confidence durability. He has not gone through full seasons consistently. Wade Miley's getting older. He had 160 innings last year. That's great, but for him to be a guy you can pencil in for 32, 33 starts, you also can't do that anymore given sure. his age. So and then Alzali, right? He had arm issues before he came back last season in 2021 where he went to the bullpen. So yes, like you can't predict health, but you can predict possibilities. And one of the possibilities, although extreme, was was this. So you yeah. can't put some of that on Jed Hoyer, Corey. This, this rotation being healthy and good this whole year would have been a fairly, un, fairly lucky yeah. outcome. Yeah, that, yeah, and that's that's what that's that's what I was thinking going into the year. In one sense, I was optimistic because I knew if these guys do stay healthy, if Wade Miley puts up the numbers that we expect, and Stroman, that's the outlier here. I don't think most people expected Stroman to be this uh, injured and unfortunate to start his career as a Cub. But you're assuming, okay, you know, Stroman can be durable. He's your anchor in that rotation. Wade Miley, given his past success recently can be another staple anchor in that rotation. And again, those are fair assumptions, but Drew Smiley, Adra Alzali, even Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson, the process going into the season, little confidence that you can rely on those guys giving you like substantial, like 120 plus innings. It's just not, that wasn't, it wasn't in a high, it wasn't within like the expected range of, of possibilities. Right. Okay, so a quick break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000. In free bets, a free CHGO membership, and that free t-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. Your home for live in-play betting just got even better. Seeing Edge in the game you are watching is your favorite team prime for a comeback. Don't just watch the game, bet along with it live. More live betting more live markets, and faster live cash outs. Follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long. Download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO. 
So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet, live your bet live with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. All right. And another break here from our other sponsor, Athletic Greens. I love talking about Athletic Greens. I've been using this product consistently, and I started taking AG1 because I wanted to kickstart my day with complete nutrition, and I'm not a big breakfast guy. Now I've been on it for, what is this, six, seven weeks now, and I love it. It doesn't taste like very super healthy. It has a kind of a mild tropical taste that I look forward to each morning. I substitute this with like a breakfast. It gets me going. So what is this stuff? In just one scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of those things. I get a noticeable boost of energy, so I take it, again, first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, and it's lifestyle-friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, gluten-free, or dairy-free, you're all good with AG1. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance for less than 3 bucks a day. It's recommended by professional athletes and has more than 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Cubs. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash Cubs to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Brendan, I want to talk about Seiya yes. Suzuki. Yes. I am wearing, as we are recording this, my Seiya in the Sega font, obvious shirt. A great shirt, yes. For the occasion. Okay. And he comes back off the uh, injured list. He had obviously been rehabbing from that uh, the, the finger injury. And we just see the I, almost almost the full picture. I don't think we got any crazy, you know, defensive display from him, which would be really the only thing that was missing. But in the span of these three games, two starts and just a pinch hit appearance in the finale on Wednesday, you, you just see the full Seiya Suzuki experience, I think. So on Monday, he goes two for four and hits an inside the park home run off of Josh Hader. So he yeah. goes up there against one of the best relievers in baseball, Hader pumping upper 90s, touching 100. He rockets a ball off the left center wall, and then we see the speed as he flies around the bases, right? So then the Power and the speed, Corey. Power and to be the best in the National League? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. That I should think be so. a song lyric. I know. One of these um, things. It fits, yeah. It does. Um, on Tuesday, he goes two for five, and as I mentioned, he decided, you know what? I did a lot of running on Monday. I had to run very fast. He was very tired. There was a very good shot of Christopher Morell in the dugout fanning him off with a yeah. towel, Nick Madrigal handing him a water. Very <laughs> great shot. He decides on Tuesday, I'm just going to hit this one over the fence. That way I can jog, take my time, take a little rest. 
And the homer that he hit on Tuesday was 8.5 inches off the plate inside. There is only one homer this so far this season, and it was Nick Senzel back in April for the Reds, that was on a pitch further inside. When I watched this video, I could barely believe what I was looking at, right? It's unreal, yeah. So he, in, 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 in Tuesday's game, then we see his insane contact ability, his power, right? And then in the game on Wednesday, to kind of complete our picture, he doesn't even start, but he comes in and gets a pinch hit appearance against Brad Boxberger, who uh, has an ERA sitting around two. He's been a very good reliever for the Milwaukee Brewers. And he works himself a walk, spitting on some really difficult pitches. Uh, and of course, coming off the bench to do this. So in the span of three days, we just see such a, a full picture uh, of what Seiya can do and how he can do it in multiple facets of the game. The contact, the eye, the power, the speed. And another note, because this was one of the things that was kind of not alarming, but you're starting to pay attention to before he hit the injured list when he was struggling a little bit. He only had one swing and miss in this series, and it was in that at bat against Boxberger. So the only at bat in which he swung and missed, he ends up being patient and working a walk. Mm. This was just a really, really good series for Seiya Suzuki, and I think a real reminder of the overall complete baseball player that he is. Absolutely. And that's coming off a rehab start and right away, right away providing that type of value and putting those skills on display against some of the best pitching in the league. Now, if you look at the bulk numbers on the year forum, Corey, barrel percentage, 86th percentile. Walk percentage, 87th percentile. The chase rate to go along with that walk percentage, 94th percentile. Sprint speed, 87th percentile, Corey. So power, speed, discipline. We know the defense is top notch. We've seen that arm. Some suggested he could even pitch. He has everything. And then to your point about that inside fastball home run, remarkable, Corey, to get the hands inside that fast just shows you how talented he is. Now, only a few people have done that before, and you can't be like, oh, you can't extrapolate too much from that. But at the same time, like that is incredible. That does suggest that he's able to control his bat, to uh, to have that type of uh, bat-to-ball contact skills that you really dream about. And then you combine that with the power. He's that rare breed of player, Corey, where you have discipline and power and speed and quality defense. And he's on the Cubs for multiple years and he's 27 years old and he's doing this now um, without seeing much major league action. He's only going to get better. And this is why it's so important to get him back right away and get him in the action. And I was very pleased to see Ross started him two games in a row before arresting him on Wednesday. Yeah. And, you know, we had talked about just missing his 
presence. Um, yeah. You know, he, he plays the game with a lot of joy. He's he's one of those players that's very fun to watch. Not Him just, and Morel, man, are just like quality content. There's an energy there, yes. I know. There is definitely an energy with those two. And if they are, uh, as we assume, a big part of the future here, I'm excited for that. Center but, field for Morel, right field for Seiya. Lots of uh, gifts potential in the outfield. Yes, I, yes. I intend to be busy uh, gifting. <laughs> Giffing when the, those two are out there every day. To. But, um, you know, worth noting too, like obviously, you know, it's only uh, two starts and then this pinch hit walk in the game on Wednesday since he's been back. But, you know, for as much um, talk as there was about his his struggles prior to hitting the IL, the increasing whiff rate and, and stuff like that, you know, you look at his overall line now and it's 173 plate appearances and he's got a 353 on base percentage, 257 average, uh, and that's all good for a 354 weighted on base average and a 126 WRC plus, right? So wow. for even the, the period that he was struggling, the whiff rate rising, dealing with an injury, like if if you gave me that slash line for a a rookie in in major league baseball of course not in his baseball career uh phenomenal yeah. right like that's that's phenomenal and that's going along with as we're talking about on display in this series he is an excellent defender he's got a great arm and he is fast like this is a th- th- this is a really good and complete baseball player that the cubs no. have I'm glad to have him back and healthy so that he can continue to show what he can do and get more experience here against major league pitching. That's the key is just getting that experience. He's been successful so far in the 170 plate appearance sample and the whiff rate before the injury. Some suggest that's kind of like the adjustment phase. That is the adjustment phase and his strikeout rate, Corey, of right now it's 28%. That's inflated. Given his contact rate being above league average at 78%, you can assume that if he's going to continue to make that much contact, then his strikeout rate's going to go down to league average, maybe better than league average. And that's just a function of time, getting used to seeing these guys on a consistent basis. And you can also assume that once his strikeout rate does go down and the ability for him to make that much contact and a lot of it being hard contact, his numbers are only going to get better. That's the encouraging aspect of this. You see a 13% walk rate and a 28% K rate. The walk rate, I think, should stay around those double digits that we're seeing now given the plate discipline. You subtract out those strikeouts, add in a few more base hits there, that 257 batting average goes up maybe around 275 plus. You're not talking about the WRC plus of 125. You're talking about a much higher number. So this is really encouraging. And that's why, again, not to keep harping on it for me, but I I just need to see him consistently like every single day. And if we're going to talk about lineup construction, Nico Horner batting second was great to give him more at-bats. Same thing for Seiya, whether that's in the three spot or the two spot. I'm even comfortable if he's okay with it, if Seiya's okay with it, batting leadoff, just to get more at-bats and give him, giving him the exposure that he needs to continue to adjust. Yeah, I, I like it. I like a little, I like Ross kind of playing around with the lineup. Uh, it was interesting to see Nico in that two spot. Uh, yeah. He did strike out twice in the game on Wednesday. Um, but hey, Corbin you know, that's, Burns, though, you know? Yes, Corbin Burns is 
quite good. Uh, yeah, he, he got a lot of whiffs today. It's unfortunate that he is uh, as good as he is. Yep. Um, Nico did have a few hits in this series, so overall yeah, yep. a, a pretty solid showing still from him. You know who else is fun and exciting, mm. Brendan? Mm. Christopher Morell. I think so, yeah. Yes. I'd like to talk about him for a second. Uh, he hits a triple that was very nearly a home run uh, in the game on Wednesday off of Brad Boxberger, and then a, a sharp fly ball off of Josh Hader that I wanted to be a home run very badly. Um, I would have been very obnoxious about that on the internet, but uh, alas, a fly out uh, nonetheless. Uh, but a nice series overall for Morell. Uh, he goes 0 for 2 in the game on Monday, but he walks three times. So that's always good to see. Very good to see. Uh, pinch hits in the game on Tuesday with a strikeout, but, you know, the pinch hit spot, that is what it is. And then goes 1 for 3 with a walk and no strikeouts in the game. Uh, on Wednesday, that that one hit being the triple that hit the yellow part of the wall at uh, American Whatever Family Field. I, I was going to say Miller yeah. Park. I, I actually don't know what it. It's American <laughs> Family Insurance. Field I don't know or what it is like either. That. Nobody. I lose cares. track of these names. Yeah. Nobody cares. Um, it hit the yellow part and bounced back, like basically as close to being a home run uh, without being a home run. Mm. But we we've kept an eye on him obviously very closely uh so far this season and you know looking at his overall numbers they're they're still great after the one for four on wednesday 272 average 343 on base 489 slug 358 weighted on base average and a 129 wrc plus so 29 percent better than a league average hitter with a 9.6 percent walk rate uh, a really interesting stat um, from Sarah Langs on Twitter at Slangs on Sports. Here are the players, Brendan, in the 90th percentile or above in both barrel rate, so the amount of, you know, the percentage of barrels that they're yeah. getting, and sprint speed. So essentially, guys that barrel up the ball the most and are really fast at the same time. Here's that list there's five players on this list. Mike Trout, pretty good. Julio Rodriguez, Jazz Chisholm Jr., Byron Buxton, and Christopher Morell. That is a hell of a a group of company to be keeping for a rookie. It is. He's so fun to watch, Corey, and so unexpected. And I think the way Ross has managed him recently, it appeared as if almost instantly when Ross moved him down to the bottom of the order, that he started to have success. And you mentioned the the whiffs, the strikeouts. It has been a problem. You know, the past four or five weeks, that contact rate now is around 65%. That's around where Patrick Wisdom makes contact. The difference, of course, is Wisdom has that like 70 out of 80 power, whereas Morel also has that power with that barrel rate but not to the degree where he has 40 homer potential that that wisdom has. So the thinking is, as time progresses here, that he can continue to make more contact, showcase the speed, showcase that discipline that he has. And for me, that's been the most surprising aspect of his performance is that is that discipline, that better than league average uh, chase rate that that we're seeing. So I hope as he gets more comfortable now, and it's, it can be the same discussion as we're having with Seiya, 
where you want to give him all these at-bats to continue to adjust, but my hope is that he gets that comfort, and then Ross continues to give him chances, again, out of that leadoff spot. You have multiple guys who need the at-bats, multiple guys that actually might make sense in that leadoff spot, and to utilize top of the order just to rapidly get these guys adjusted is is really significant for me as we head over here to the second half now. Yeah, he. I, I think the the thing for Morrell is is figuring out the best place to play him defensively. The metrics have not right. liked him in center field. Part of that is a, a product of where this Cubs roster is and and where certain other guys play, and um, you know just how some of these injuries have shaken out. But that I think is is maybe the the, the question that you're going to want to answer. And if you want him to get better in center, you're going to have to keep playing him there. Well, but, I think that's that's that would be my preference at this point. Mm-hmm. Like he's a national infielder in the third base. To, uh, defense has been lauded in the past like for me it's let's give him the biggest role possible for or the biggest potential role possible for next season in my mind that's giving him the defensive flexibility and improving his center field gives him that potential yeah and it, you know it, it also uh, not sure when some of these guys are going to be up but you know you're you you do have a, a lot of the Cubs prospects that you're waiting on are outfielders uh yeah. so how that factors into the planning obviously you know someone like PCA is is a few years away probably Brennan a couple Davis years maybe away next year though right like Brendan Davis you you hope can get back out there uh, you know maybe sometime in the fall if, they, if that's the case I'm not Nelson. sure the, the progress on that injury um but you'd expect him to hopefully be up uh sometime next year which was the hope this year so just sort of pushing that a little bit, but he's also an outfielder, play center field. So you're going to have to make some decisions there. Um, the really exciting thing about Morel, though, and you know, it's kind of similar to say they're they're different players, uh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, but just such loud tools, right? And that's what's mm-hmm. exciting about someone like Morel is that he's just showcasing, and and that's why I started with that stat from from Sarah. Is it's a it's obviously an extremely unique thing for a guy to be able to put the barrel on the ball that much, hit the ball with that much authority on a frequent basis, and be able to just absolutely fly around the bases. You combine those two things, he's going to be the type of player that is able to turn a lot of doubles into triples, singles into doubles, things like that, just because of the authority with which he can hit the ball and his ability to just fly out of the batter's box. And, you know, we talk about some of the other tools that Saya possesses that, you know, don't always get talked about. Like, we bring it up a lot, but like, Morel can also just absolutely whip the ball, right? He's got a cannon attached to his arm. So, how how it all shakes out, I'm not sure, but we continue to kind of have to come to the realization because uh, now you're talking about 208 plate appearances for Christopher Morell. Like he is a a plan changer. Let's call him that. Oh yeah. Right. No doubt. Like this is almost assuredly. I think they'd be lying if anybody in the Cubs front office told you that in 2022. They expected this from Christopher Morell. There might be a question as to whether they expected this at all, right? But for a 23-year-old to be doing this and putting up these numbers over 208 plate appearances, this is one of those things where, like, I don't know what their plan is for the deadline or this offseason, whatever, but Christopher Morell has almost assuredly altered those plans. Absolutely. And the remaining questions for Morrell, which are fair questions, and I see it uh, on, on Twitter and social media, is can that whiff rate 
improve? Can that contact rate improve? And if it does improve, then he is someone where you can presumably put him in like 450 plus plate appearances for next year. Now, we're not quite there yet just because he still has to showcase that ability to adjust as his season progresses it's very similar to how maybe i'm thinking about keegan thompson and justin Steele. the current moment it looks really great like if they can continue to do this uh over the course of the entire season and yeah like they're confidently within the 2023 uh plans with major roles it's just can we have this this, this same discussion come late august and come september and that's why I need to see more and more of this like on a daily basis. And I'm thinking too about loud tools with Saya and Morell. I'm also thinking about like Nelson Velasquez and, and Crook and how they work in that outfield orientation. Maybe, Corey, like we see Ian Happ kind of shift over to, to first base. I don't know if that's in their plans, but Ian's talked is one of your favorite videos in 2017 about having that defensive versatility. First base has been a problem this year for the Cubs. Uh, Rivas has not done well. Frank's been injured. He also hasn't done the best. Maybe just to give these guys opportunities, you know, play Crook, play Velasquez, uh, Morrell in the outfield, say, of course, in right field, Hayward. I mean, God help us all if he continues to play, but assuming he doesn't play that much. I, I think there's a way to get these guys at bats. It's just a matter of how you make that defensive positioning suitable to give these guys that pass while also not taking away some of their uh, processes to sustain their success. That's the big thing with Hap is if you move him away from left field to first base, um, you know, is he able to continue having that offensive success? Okay, another break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership that unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email PointsBet at all CHGO geo.com it will help you out in case you did miss it online sign up is available in illinois you can actually download the points app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone you'll be signing up with the fastest sports book easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds so what are you waiting for once the game starts don't just bet live your bet life with points bet gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 all right brendan a little pitching for you okay. as we uh, get ready to wrap up here. I, I've already looked at the who's pitching for the Dodgers this weekend, and uh, it's, yeah. let's just say it's going to put that uh, the <laughs> Cubs series win streak uh, to a, a bit of a test. That is going to be is. a test for this offense, no question. Um, but I, I, I want to just ask, you know, what you think of someone like Adrian Sampson. Um, really nice work that he's done this year showed some pitches today I think it was the slider that got some pretty ugly swings um and looks pretty good I think it I I think I saw it on the pitching ninja which is usually a a pretty strong uh endorsement of a particular pitch but five and two-thirds from him today on Wednesday just the four hits one run no walks five strikeouts um 
he is on the older side, so he is not a, a young prospect by any means. He's 30, and I think turns 31 uh, in October. But this is a nice showing from him so far this year. And, you know, I, I guess my question is, you know, do you think that he's someone maybe uh, kind of like what we've seen them try with with Matt Swarmer, where, you know, maybe not a guy that sticks in a rotation long term, but d- does he have the potential to be a useful uh, pitching staff piece for this team for any period of time? That's a possibility. It's with these guys, it goes back to can you confidently project that? And the answer is no. Like with confidence, you can't project that. But it doesn't mean that at some point you can then confidently project that. With Samson, the best part about his game is that his command is really good. Like even last year in five starts and then five other relief appearances, his walk per nine rate was only two batters. So this year, in uh, what is this, 22 innings almost, his walk per nine rate is 1.2 batters. So he has that ability to put the ball where he wants to put it. Now, if you look at his command plus, you can you can interpret this on the 2080 scale. Uh, now, in the small sample size, you don't want to overinterpret it, but his command plus on his four seam rates as a 65 out of 80. That's a standard and a half deviation above league average. His slider rates as a 70 on the 80 scale. That's two standard deviations above league average. Small sample size, again, this likely won't uh, be so high. You can expect it won't be so high as he continues to pitch more, but it just shows you that in the current moment, he is locating his pitches so well, and he has five pitches that he uses really well, evenly dispersed throughout the game. He throws a four seam 30% of the time, a sinker 25% of the time, a slider 20% of the time, a change of 15% of the time, and then he finishes off his repertoire with cutters. That's five pitches, Corey. So you have someone with Really good command. So far, rating well above league average in command. A history of not walking, guys. Um, a five-pitch repertoire. I I think it's a possibility. It's just you have to see more to get a good idea. And how we've talked about Seiya and Morel having to adapt against pitchers. The same can be said about these pitchers as well. They're going to have to adapt against the scouting reports and the hitting philosophies these guys adapt as they face Samson over and over again. But for me, this is what makes it so interesting is you do get a lot of pitchers who have that potential. And with Samson versus Swarmer, you did bring him up. Swarmer's a two-pitch guy. And that, to me, bodes well out of a rotation spot. Or sorry, as a, out of a bullpen spot and maybe a multi-inning bullpen spot, which is great. Now for Samson, it's the same topic about Mills, where you have five pitch types, the ability to command, and the more you get these guys in your system, just the bulk number, you know, the probability is low that one that these guys work out. But if you get so many guys, despite that low probability, maybe one or two work out. Corey, and they can be guys that are cost controllable for multiple years. It's just you have to give them the chances to do it. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, it's been injuries that have provided this chance for a lot of these guys. Uh, but you do also, you know, you have to give kudos. It's it's not coming in a competitive year, but you know, you look at the twenty-one and two-thirds innings that Adrian Sampson has provided for this team: three starts, five appearances 
overall, like that's huge for this yeah, team. Yeah. Swarmer too, like short notice too. Uh, the these guys being able to come in and eat these innings, and it hasn't always gone well for everybody that stepped up into this role. But like you know, there were points in this season where they were the the, the team and was at particular low points, and it would be a lot worse if they were not able to bring some of these guys up and have them deliver uh you know a, a competitive start every now and again. So kudos to uh, a lot of these guys coming up and and playing different roles and being thrown all over the place, coming up, getting sent down, starting, relieving, etc. It's important. It's been very necessary for this team, whether they're, uh, you know, competing for a playoff spot or not. Um, Lastly, before we set up this, this Dodger series, just want to touch on Justin Steele a little bit. Um, I I don't know that we saw necessarily anything new that you want to break down, Brendan, but, you know, again, another really good start from Justin Steele, a quality start, six and two thirds, just two hits, the one earned run, four walks, a little high, but the nine strikeouts also a little high. So, you know, you kind of uh, take the good with a little bit of the bad, right? But with the two hits and one run, you're taking that all day. And you look back at Justin's last six starts, he's got a 2.72 earned run average over 36 and a third innings pitched. Again, like we talk about him and Keegan a lot because I think it's genuinely uh, some of the most important stuff going on in this season. But like, man, Brendan, it's it's difficult not to be. He he's going to continue to work on things. He's going to continue to adjust. He's going to continue to try to grow. Like we talked about, kind of looking through the box scores. Like this was one of those games where Ross said, "Let's try to get through seven, Right? He was clearly losing it a little bit, but screw it. Like push through it. Let's see if you can get through seven. Go over a hundred pitches. Let's go for it. Right? Like you look at that body of work, like a guy that's able to give you six starts over a period with a sub three ERA, man, like there, there's a lot of room to grow and a lot of stuff to work on, but it's difficult to not be really excited about that because that is not a nothing sample. Um, no. And for a guy that you're probably not necessarily picturing being the, the one of those top, top of the rotation guys, right? Like, that is a, a really strong showing from Justin here. It is, and it's it's coming off of a change he made to his pitch strategy. And this is thanks to John Lester, that, that nudge and spurred the idea. Steele is locating those fastballs down and in way more often. If you look at just the average height at which he throws his four seams, it's gone down since April and May by about four to six inches on average. So that that is a huge difference. And now he's elevating the ball a little bit more, maybe getting more comfortable. But the success he's having, the exceptional barrel rates, the strikeouts he's getting, the whiffs he's getting now, is coinciding with a noticeable change that is in part because he is getting these chances and Ross is now giving him the ability to go deeper into games, kind of challenging him. That's really important. And it's important for him and Keegan Thompson and and everyone when trying to determine their roles for 2023. And it determines how they go out and approach free agent pitching. If you can confidently project Steele and Keegan Thompson as rotation guys next year by September, that is a massive change in direction that you can take once this offseason does come in free agency. And it does speed up your timeline, whatever that timeline supposedly is at this point. Okay. 
So let's preview this four-game set against the Dodgers. So I've been doing this a lot this year, but it, there's there's not any announced starters for the weekend games. This is a byproduct of uh, the shortened spring training and some more injuries from these clubs. Uh, but we do have an announced starting matchup on Thursday, and that game starts at 9, 10 p.m. Central. And we have Leiter Jr. getting the start for the Cubs against uh, Tony Gonsolin, who's having a really good year. He's 10-0 this year, Corey. Yeah. So um, doing really well. His ERA is 1.54, whereas... Lighters is 4.85. And then on Friday, Keegan starting for the Cubs. This season, he's 7-3 with a great 3.4 ERA. From Friday's game, which starts at 9, 10 p.m. all the way through Sunday, they have not announced a starter yet. We're recording this at 9 p.m. Central time right now. So if you're curious about who the starting matchups are, just stay tuned. Perhaps Thursday morning, those will be announced. And then Saturday and Sunday, as I said, uh, no matchups have been announced for either club. Probably still trying to figure out what they're going to do with uh, Hendricks in rotation, given that injury. Uh, the Saturday game does start at 9, 10 p.m., and then the Sunday game starts at 3, 10 p.m. The Dodgers, uh, as they always are, having a good year. They're 51 and 29, a likely uh, World Series contender of, among the favorites, and this will be a tough matchup. He's talked about it earlier on in this episode, but this is going to put the Cubs' series win streak at test, and no matter who ends up facing the Cubs, they do have quality starting pitching. So for me, I'm looking at how often Seiya Suzuki plays, uh, how often Nelson Velasquez plays. As we uh, talk about Morel, does he play more in uh, center field or second base? How does that look for Bodie and Morel's playing time? And basically what we talked about this entire episode uh, is what I'm looking for this series. Now that everyone's healthy, you're going to get more information about how Ross intends to use them. Yeah, I mean, I think you you said it well, just continuing to watch uh, how some of these guys progress. Obviously, very curious to see uh, Keegan go up against this Dodger team and how he's able to do there. Uh, and yeah, just continuing to watch the, the guys that were, I think, really focused on. Obviously, hoping that Wilson can get back out there soon, uh, even if it's in that DH spot, but continuing to monitor the progress uh, of that little injury situation. And yeah, other than that, I mean, you know, the Cubs just don't lose series anymore. So I guess we're just uh, going to try to keep that playoff train, contender of the Cubs. Keep that train a rolling. Uh, yeah, look, if you only contain things to like the last four series and also the first inning, the Cubs scored a ton of runs in only the first inning. Um, this team would be really good, uh, you know. And uh, Brendan, if you told me coming into the year that the Cubs would have a winning record against Milwaukee, I probably would have pegged the Cubs at a different record uh, than they have now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. There's a lot of things that uh, I expected would happen this year, Corey, that are not happening. So it's uh, it's unfortunate. But hey, they're playing better now. And uh, like you, like to have Keenan Thompson go against a quality team here, that, that will be fun to watch. That's going to be a really big test for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And historically over the years, I think because you and I were probably there for a lot of them, they do not play well in LA. They did throw that combined no-hitter, but that was like, I think that doomed us all. So I'm almost counting that as a bad thing, right? Like nothing went well (laughs) after that, right? So, um, yeah, reminiscing, you know. Oh, here we go. (laughs) 
Darkness, here, here we are. Here we go again, waxing poetic <laughs> on the 2021 Cubs and how fun right, that was right. and 11-game losing streaks and all of that. Right. Anyway, um, I think that's all we have for you. Uh don't miss Luke and Cody and Ryan getting you set uh, with late night pre and post game on Thursday. I'm I'm praying for my boy Luke. Uh, I'm I'm the I'm an inaugural member of the Stuckies as we're calling ourselves the the Luke Stuckmeyer fan club. I'm not and, there uh, yet until he stops saying those names. I'm not going to be in that group. Well, the more you keep saying it, he's going to do it to antagonize you. Um, That's just not nice, Corey. We're you supposed to be a team. You sometimes you know do production for when you and I talk uh, when yeah. we're not live and have the help of our wonderful CHGO producers. Yeah. Um, Luke doesn't have any reason to capitulate to you. He That's can true. freely. <laughs> oh, of course. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be in studio on Friday, so I can just tell him straight to his face. Like, stop doing that. So yeah, it'll be my first Who's live show on Friday. In studio. I'm on gonna Friday. be in studio. Brendan in Chicago, Miller in Chicago. Look at that. I know. Oh, my first time. Boy. Well, you were talking smack, so I had to come out there and oh boy, and do my part. Wow. All right. Uh, oh, I'll stay far away from the studio on Friday. You want to come in on Friday? You want to do? No, you're not going to come in on Friday. Uh, anyway, I'm praying for my boy Luke because these are late start times. These I are know. late start times. Uh, just hoping for clean, quick games. Let's not uh, have Luke up at one in the morning. I don't think anybody wants that for him. No, I don't. Think but so. my point overall was that they will have your pre and post. Uh, for that Dodgers series, um, I think, you know, it's about a half an hour before first pitch. So uh, stay up late with the CHGO Cubs crew oh, to yeah. talk a little bit of Cubs baseball as the Cubs are out on the West Coast. As always, we appreciate your support for everything going on at CHGO. Um, a lot uh, of really great stuff uh, with our Bulls crew and then free agency, the Hawks crew with uh, the NHL draft and the Hawks coaching change. The Blackhawks new head coach was in the CHGO studio last week, so that stuff is always very cool. And of course, all of your support for us, the CHGO Cubs team. We appreciate it very much. Brendan and I will be back with you uh, late Sunday night, Monday morning to go over these four games with the Dodgers. Don't miss if that's your bag, Brendan doing stuff in studio on Friday. Uh, for those of you that me. are Team Corey, you can just tune that one out if you want. No, 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 no. Um, the, the I'm in the studio all the time. You guys can just wait for me to go back. You know what I come mean? On, um, come on. No, so I hope. We, I hope I sit in the middle. You know, you've been sitting in the middle. I don't sit, sit in, in my chair, please. That's oh, come on. That's our, that's my chair too. That's I'm gonna re- chair, I'm gonna request it. Yeah. Our chair, fine. I'll, um, I'll, I'll accept that. Yeah. Well, it's our chair because Luke and Cody get to choose where they sit because they're there no, all the time. So okay. well, we don't we don't get to choose uh, as it should be. So anyway, Brendan and I rambling aside. Uh, thank you for your support and for listening and your support of CHGO. Don't forget to use that code when you sign up at PointsBet. We'll talk to you again soon. And as always, go Cubs.